afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, Jim, let's get at least a few questions in. We've gone a while, and I don't know how much longer we're going to go here today. We just, we did what AEW did. We went too long. This first question was sent to Courtney Drive through at gmail.com from Fred Bucks. Happy holidays. This is Fred from the Fred Bucks WWE 2K YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, headlined by Penta L Zero OM Zoro's Revenge. Love the shows you guys put out every week. It's the best thing going. You guys kill it consistently. Quick question. Did you hear during the AEW Full Gear media call at the 1230 timestamp, Cody Rhodes backpedaling on his statement about AEW being a sports-based product, and now stating that what he actually meant was that only his matches would be sports-based? <laughs> By the way, that's, I, that's not what Tony Khan said, was it? No. <laughs> no, no. Okay, I'm glad we answered it. Well, thank you for your question. That's pretty much the answer. Bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. What do you think Cody thinks about the direction things well, have I, gone? He's, I'm sure he's trying to save what's left of his integrity by saying, well, no, I didn't mean all these other yahoos. I meant me, because I actually do treat this seriously. But it's too late. If, if, you, if you come out of the clown car, you're one of the clowns, right? So... Uh, Tony Khan said sports-based presentation. I know everybody's beaten that to death, but that was what we were promised. Uh, the, the cable guide here said, I haven't looked at it lately, but for months it said, a new series bringing analytics and statistics into the sport. Sports-based presentation. We're not going to do gaga goofy shit like you've been sick of in the WWE. And... That was from the owner. That was supposed to be the mission statement, the vision of the thing. Now, a year later, it's become such a dog and pony show, as Ole Anderson would say, that one of its top stars has to try to divorce himself from the insanity and just say, well, just, just look at my stuff. I'm a real sportsman in the middle of a goddamn Benny Hill sketch. So... As Ole Anderson, his favorite phrase, dog and pony show. Well, remember when somebody sent me this clip on Twitter? What was the, Brian, you've got a photographic memory. What was the event or the incident or the, the reason why that they were all together where, Ole, where Vince McMahon tried to introduce Linda to Ole Anderson? That was, I believe... When the lawsuit was going on, that's right. Because Ole tried to prevent Vince from being able to take over Georgia Championship Wrestling, and Vince would go down there. And the first time Vince went up to him, and Ole told him, "Whatever, go fuck yourself." No, no, that's where I was going with that. That was the first time when it was just Vince, and then Vince came down like the second time. Okay, well, yeah, that's where I was going. The first time he met Vince, Ole said, "Yeah, Vince, go fuck yourself." And then the second time, that's what the clip was. He was telling the story that <laughs> Vince came up to him and said, I'd like you to meet my wife, Linda. And Holy said, well, fuck her and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, it's very similar to you in AEW. From what I had read, that's where Vince said, you will never work for the WWE. You would have gotten a deal to come in. You know, he would have, yeah, he yeah. wanted Oli to come work there. And Oli's like, I'm not working for you. 
Ole had never in his life had that ambition to work for Vince McMahon, and he just saw the guy that screwed him out of his fucking company. And the thing is, Ole, the two things, you you can say a lot of things about Ole. He was a grumpy old man, and he did fuck that booking up in 1990, and we've gone over that a large part because he didn't want to die on a bunch of Jim Hurd's hills. But two things you can say about him. (laughs) He saved his money. And he didn't fucking compromise his principles. He was not about to do fucking goofy bullshit. And he wasn't about to put up with people that fucked him around. So you got to admire that in a guy. What was the question? It was about sports-based presentation. Well, Cody, that horse has left the barn, cowboy. You know, it's funny. Have you seen Tony Khan lately? <laughs> no, I've I've seen enough, thank you. Has he changed? What I was going to say is I saw an image from the post-event, post-pay-per-view. I guess they did a Zoom conference call, so it's like a video, so you see him there. And we read that letter earlier about him running around all excited in his hoodie. When AEW first started, the only images you saw of Tony Khan were him in a suit, him with a tie, and he's like degenerated since they, then. Oh, they've all just given, they're all a bunch of fucking bums <laughs> hanging out at the goddamn playground now. Except Cody. Except Cody. I'll give him credit. Except Cody. I wonder if he has some buyer's remorse about it. Jeez. He, he found the dream scenario where he had a guy that could finance a, a wrestling company as good as anybody in the world. But the problem is he has to look around him and he's a, the meat and an idiot sandwich.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 231 of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys are having a good week so far. It's Thursday, November 12th, 2020. It's your truly the nefarious brother Adam, aka Joshi Lopez. You can follow me on the Twitters at the Hoots Podcast. I'm also on Instagram, Joshi Lopez94. That's J O S H I E Lopez94. I also have a music page at Josh Lopez Music. And for those who are out there listening to the podcast for the first time, first of all, thank you for uh, giving this podcast a chance. I truly appreciate it. Uh, what we do here in the Hoops Podcast is provide a positive and entertaining escape for you throughout the week in the world of professional wrestling. And um, it, it, so we come to you free of charge every single week on Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast from. So I ask for you guys is to... Subscribe to the channel right now so you can get every single episode, obviously. And for those who use Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you uh, please leave us a honest four or five star rating or review. It really helps expand the reach of the podcast. And more importantly, I want to gauge on how you guys feel about the podcast in a good way, constructively. Either way, I'm always open to any suggestions or uh, advice for the podcast. And we do this podcast for you guys. So make sure to subscribe to the Hoots Podcast right now. I want to give a shout out to my guy, Jonathan Hood from ESPN 1000, the host of the TWT Tribe, the AKA Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday Podcast. Uh, Hoodie had me on his show this week to recap full gear. So make sure to check out that conversation. It's always fun being on Hoodie's show. So I want to give a shout out to Hoodie. Uh, he's the man, uh, the radio star of ESPN 1000 and the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show, which is the best Chicago sports-based radio show right now. So, uh, shout out to you, Brian. I appreciate you for having me on the show again. Last bit of plugs really quick before we get into this week's podcast. I have a website. It's called ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. On that website, I make transcripts for literally every single wrestling television show or stream event that's out there. Go check it out. I just posted the transcripts from NXT and AEW Dynamite last night. I added those on there. Today, I'll be doing NXT UK. Uh, coming around the corner next week will be the return of MLW. So, I'll be adding some MLW Fusion articles on the website as well. And like I mentioned last week on the podcast, uh, I will be covering both the Best of the Super Juniors uh, tournament and the World Tag League tournament. It's a little combo theme that New Japan is doing this year as we approach closer to Wrestle Kingdom 15. And I look forward to covering those tours. 18 events from this Sunday to, I think, the middle of December. So it's going to be a fun tour. Uh, there's a lot of articles to write down, but they'll be worth it, pal. Uh, so check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. So with that being said, we got a lot to get into. i uh, got to recap full gear preview later on in the podcast we'll obviously get into the world uh the build-up towards survivor series we're about what was it like 10 days away from survivor series guys so uh, we gotta talk about the bill for that pay-per-view um good chat up like i mentioned earlier what you can expect for the uh, best of super juniors and the world tag league and of course we got to get to everybody's favorite segment in the world what the hell is wrong with aew before we get to all the fun shenanigans, per ritual, as we started the Who's Podcast each and every single week, we started off with some words of advice really quick. You cannot heal somebody 
without healing yourself first. Write that down. You can't heal somebody without healing yourself first. So, we're going to start off this podcast as we usually do with the Good Brother Q&A session. The drill here is you can be a good brother, you can be a good sister. All you have to do is ask me a question. Send me a question at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. It's pretty simple. You can ask me a question. I answer your question here on the podcast as we do each week here on the podcast at Hoots, as Brother Carter likes to call it. We're going to start off with uh, the nefarious brother Chris Zuleta. Uh, you can follow him at Twitter at xteenzuleta24x. I think I got that correct. He says, what's up, Boos? Here's some questions for the show this week. Favorite Power Rangers season slash... Oh, oh, I already saw that one. <laughs> oh, here we go. How far are the Bulls to making it back to the playoffs? Just looking collectively right now where they're at, I could say about a year or two. I don't think it's something where we need another extensive rebuild to get to the team to where they are because they do have talented players on their squad. A lot of the issues with the Bulls has always just been a coaching and personnel issue. Um, I don't think the starting players are the issue, but when you don't have enough death pieces and your coach doesn't set a good culture and the team's just not disciplined and lacks defensive ability, then that's what you see with the Chicago Bulls. So uh, Jim, Boylan's got, Jim Boylan's gone, Gar Foreman's gone, everybody's getting what they want, right? Billy Donovan's the new coach. I'm curious to see what they do. Um, you know, there's been a lot of praise for Art, Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley. I, I like to say, I like to call AK Art Carney <laughs> instead of <laughs> Arturis Karnishevis because that's a hard a last name to pronounce. But um, Art Carney. <laughs> uh, so they got, I, I know the NBA draft is coming up next week and the Bulls have the number four pick. I'll be honest with you guys, I've been out of the loop when it comes to the college basketball scene. I don't know who's good, who's not, so I'm just curious to see what they do. I'm excited for the Bulls' future, but as far as how far they are from making it to the playoffs, it could be this season, it could be the next. I give it a one or two year window from that point of view. What's the first move you would make this offseason if you're the Bears? Um, first two things I'm doing is cutting Bobby Massey and Charles Leno Jr. When you when when you're an offense and you're at the point of attack of your offense and both of your tackles are either too old or another guy is just below average for what he is and that's Charles Leno Jr. You're just at a lose lose situation. So. The main priority when it comes to the Bears right now is reshaping that offensive line. I don't care what quarterback you have back there. I don't care what running back you have there. If you don't win the point of attack, and this is a guy who played football in high school and stuff, it's just simple. Football is one in the trenches. So if you don't have an offensive line, you ain't got shit. You don't have an offense. You don't have a running game. You don't have time to pass the ball. It opens up the – it exposes your weaknesses for your other skill uh, skill position players as well. It's just a bad combination. So the offensive line needs to be fixed. That's my top priority. It's not about, oh, one quarterback's going to come here and save the day. 
You know, we kind of went through this whole drill at Nick Foles where everybody in the city of Chicago thought that he was going to be the savior, yet somehow he's playing worse than Mitch was earlier this season. Go figure. Next question. Where do you think Russell Westbrook fits, and which team does he go to next? Man, there's a lot of good options, honestly. At first, I was going to say Memphis, but they got John Morant, so I don't think they really need Westbrook, but... I say don't sleep on the Grizzlies. They're going to be a good team in the coming years. There's a lot of good options. Uh, obviously, I'm not the biggest fan of super teams. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be like, hey, um, Russ, go to Clippers and join Paul George and Kawhi or hop on the LeBron bandwagon trade. Like, I'm not for super teams. I, I really give two craps, but I didn't like the, the big three in Boston. I didn't like the big three in Miami. I'm just not for super teams in the NBA. It's just, it takes away the charm of what good NBA basketball is. And the competition has been nowhere to be found uh, in the NBA in the last 10 years. So as far as teams, that's a great question. I mean, you could go to Phoenix. Maybe Russell Rushbrook would fit well in Milwaukee. I don't know if Russell Westbrook will work here. Now, full disclosure, Russell Westbrook is my favorite player in the NBA right now because he just fits what I just mentioned about competition and not everybody being buddy-buddy with everybody. I love how Russell Westbrook uh, plays. What sucks for him is that you have a guy like James Harden who brings it down because, honestly, if you look at James Harden, He's the Matthew Stafford of basketball. He's just a stat guy. He can't he can't win the playoffs. He's not reliable to a certain extent. And <laughs> Russ and Jace Harden just don't work well with each other. So I mean, if you want to, it would make no sense for Russell Westbrook to join the, the Nets because they already got Kyrie Irving. So there's a lot of options. I'd probably say look out for. The Phoenix Suns, possibly. Um, there's maybe if you if Russell Westbrook wants to be a point guard in Dallas, and he moved Luka Doncic to the well, isn't Luka's already like a small forward or a power forward or something like that? So there's a lot of options, but um, those are the ones that come off the top of my head. Okay, worst WWE champion in recent years. Man, that's a good question. I'll say Dean Ambrose. Is that a hot take? <laughs> um, look, man. It's one thing to have hype from the internet wrestling fans, and yeah, I, I'll agree. With, I'll agree with Jim Cornette. J- uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose is the biggest internet wrestling media sensation in the last five years. Without hype from people who run websites or do podcasts like this, do people actually care about what John Moxley does or Dean Ambrose when he was in the WWE? Simple question. I'm not saying that Dean Ambrose didn't have good matches as a WWE champion or anything like that, but for me, it, it didn't it didn't create anything. I I wasn't more invested. In Dean Ambrose as WWE champion. Now you could throw Jinder Mahal in my face. And say he's a bad champion. Because you don't like the way he wrestles. 
But Jinder Mahal had heat. There's a difference there. So I'll say Dean Ambrose was the worst WWE champion in recent years. Uh, thoughts on the Rascals going to NXT slash WWE? Well, being as one of the few wrestling members who still covers Impact Wrestling every single week, uh, I've been kind of hit and miss with the Rascals. I like what they do in the ring. Uh, I'm not really big into their antics and their treehouse segments where they're pretending to smoke. I just don't vibe with what they do. Um, I, I think Trey Miguel is the most talented one out of all three of them. Uh, I think Wentz and Xavier would be good fits for 205 Live. Um, I, I wish them nothing but success. I hope they kill it in NXT or in WWE. I hope they make the most out of this opportunity. And um, I'm curious to see what they do. I think Trey has a good future ahead of him. I just... Me, collectively, the group, I'm kind of indifferent on, to be honest with you guys. Um, what's next for Roman after Survivor Series? Well, you would probably think that Daniel Bryan would come into the equation due to the fact that Jay Uso laid him out before Hell in a Cell, right? So, Roman has history with Daniel Bryan. Uh, they had... Their beef over the fact that the IWC wanted him to main event WrestleMania and not Roman Reigns. That could go back into uh, biting Daniel Bryan. Yes, you know it's very similar. Like if you look at the Fiend and his premises about you know getting payback on people who've done him wrong as a regular Bray Wyatt character, right? And then you look at Roman Reigns, who's the tribal chief and playing his stamp. Uh, is playing his foot on the ground saying that he's the best in the world. This is his industry. We're going on his terms, yada, yada, like the mob, stuff like that. But Roman Reigns, in a way as well, could go back at the people who did him wrong during that time period. So uh, if it was me, I'd probably have Daniel Bryan go, to, go after Roman Reigns after Survivor Series. So I, I like that question. Finn Balor's next opponent, uh, I'll say Tommaso Ciampa. That's an easy question. Would you like to see the Bella Twins make one more run for the women's tag titles? I would. I, I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, there's this like weird Twitter uh, thread or debate going on whether the Bella Twins or the Young Bucks had a bigger influence in the wrestling industry. Look, guys. Let's call it spade a spade, spade a spade. Let's let's leave wrestling to the side for one minute. I know it's hard for people to uh, do that because we're talking about a business, not just what we watch inside a, tw a twenty by twenty by ring. And look, guys, you know me. I always will put wrestling before anything else when it comes to the entertainment part of my fandom. But looking at business and just the general landscape of pro wrestling, outside of people who listen to uh, Brian Alvarez and Dave Seltzer, nobody knows who the Young Bucks are. Nobody. Don't throw the hot topic thing in my face. We're in a pandemic. Nobody's going to malls. And the Young Bucks, when it comes to mainstream visibility, don't even... Pair up with the Bell Twins. It's not even close. If you look at metrics, what the Bells do with their reality TV shows, their podcasts, their 
I, and I'll give the Bucks credit. What they do with BT is really good. I I I actually like BT. <laughs> you know, for everybody that thinks I hate everything that AEW stands for, I like BT. But when you look at the brass tacks of it, belt twins have made more of an impact in the wrestling industry than the Unbucks, and it's not even close. They're trailblazers for what they did for their era of women's wrestling. They're trailblazers for their generation of female fans who want to be wrestlers down the road. You cannot undermine, understate, or undervalue what the Bell Twins have brought to the wrestling industry. That's why I kind of laugh when people are like, oh, really? You're going to put the Bell Twins in the Hall of Fame? Of course they're Hall of Famers. Now, am I going to come on here and say that Brie and Nicole are the most influential women's wrestlers of all time? That's not for me to say. I, I don't think so, but I'm not going to come in here and say that they didn't have an impact on the wrestling industry because they did. They had a positive one. I I respect what these two women have done for the wrestling business. Uh, you know, get to read their book. I got even more respect for them as people. Uh, everybody knows I've always preferred Nicole over Brie, but that's another topic for another time. But... <laughs> I, I would love to see him back to do one more run. If you think about the inception of the women's tag team titles, would there be one without the Bella Twins? I don't know. Uh, I, I think they definitely are warranted to have one more run, and I'd love to see them back in the ring. Thoughts on Sasha and Carmella program coming up? I'm all in for it. Um... I am a big fan of Carmella's podcast with Corey Graves. It's called Bear With Us. Uh, it's, it's a relationship-style podcast, and uh, we get, you get to know a little bit more about uh, Matt and Leah as people. I am a big fan of Carmella. Uh, I love her background. I love her story. I love her attitude. Uh, I think she's underrated in the ring in certain aspects. Uh, I think her and Sasha would be a good pairing. Now we get to the murky waters where Sasha is kind of a tweener and Carmella's a look-at-me-heel, right? So, I don't know if it's something where this program have multiple months or anything like that, but would I like to see a Sasha and Carmella program? Sure. All I ask is, <laughs> let's not do Sasha and Bailey 150 times now until whenever things go back to normal. That's all I ask, so... Um, great batch of questions, Chris. I really like those ones, man. You killed it this week, as always. Um, guys, I had, like, a freaking buffet of questions this week. Uh, they, they, they get, the list go bigger and bigger as the weeks go by, so I hope you guys are enjoying this. Um, here we go. Uh, next questions, uh, come from the one and only Nate the Great at Psycho Nagiri. He says... What are your thoughts on Joyner Lucas? If you haven't listened to his music stuff, I would highly, highly recommend it. He's my favorite rapper right now. You know what, Nate? I trust your judgment, so I'll give. I'll check out some Joyner Lucas music later on today. I'll, I'll get back to you on that, alright? I don't know about you, but I think the New Day is losing on Monday. Why do you think they change matches close to Survivor Series almost every year? Well... Hey, welcome to the wrestling business, man. Um... <laughs> You always you always hear the same man. Cards are always something to change. I do know there's been a trend about matches changing beforehand, but let's not lose context to the fact that some of those matches that did change were due to the fact of injuries. It wasn't just out of a simple booking 
equation to get out of a match nobody wanted to see. This is not that scenario. So, like, I understand, oh, my God, really, we're going to change another match? Why can't we just have New Day and Street Profits? Of course, I would love to see the New Day from Street Profits. If you look at business, who has more steam right now? The Hurt Business or the New Day? That's my question for you guys. Who has more buzz, the New Day or the Street Profits? Uh, I've said the Hurt Business, so I would not be surprised if the Hurt Business beat the New Day uh, for the tag tiles on Monday. And I would, be, I would advocate for that because the Hurt Business are the best group in professional wrestling right now. And it's not even close. So, I, I wouldn't look at it as a bad thing that they changed advertised matches all the time for Survivor Series. Um, sometimes we lose context on why some of those matches change. So, <laughs> um, if you could move anywhere in the world, where would you go? Um, man, great question. I have two places. I'd probably say first one would be uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, or um, number two, the place I really want to be right now is Oviedo, Florida. That's that'd be my pick. All right, next question: Who should dethrone Sammy? Oh, man, that's a good question too. You got you got a pick of a litter of uh, some pretty good talents in SmackDown right now. Think about this: Can you go Biggie? Chad Gable or Dominic Mysterio? Who would you have? Biggie, Dominic Mysterio, or Chad Gable? For me, I would have Dominic be the one to dethrone Sami Zayn. That would be my pick. Next question to you What are the three most iconic moments in sports history and pro wrestling history? Jeez. <laughs> um. Man, that's that's a tough one. Um, I wouldn't say just a moment, but for me, one of my favorite sports moments of all time is just the 2001 World Series with the uh, New York Yankees and the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, after the events of 9-11. I was 10 years old. That's still one of my favorite World Series of all time. If you guys go back and watch like the movie of the 2001 World Series. It's one of the best documentaries in the world. So I'd probably say that one really stands out to me. Um, number two... I'd probably say MJ's last shot in Utah. Just for the symbolism of that. was their uh, iconic sports moment. And of course you'd be remiss without mentioning the miracle... The miracle uh, hockey upset over Russia. Um, so those are the ones sports-wise. And then wrestling. Maybe Austin first. Moments are very subjective in my opinion. When I look at moments, let's say like the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. That match, that environment, that experience, that was a moment. So like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels... Would be on that list. Um, man, there's just so many to choose from. I'll have to think about that later down the road, um, Nate. But I like that question a lot. What do you think the mo- What do you think the real end game is with Pat McAfee? Well, I, I think we'll get a War Games match. Um, whenever the next NXT Takeover special is, and it'll end up being. Um, the Undisputed Era against uh, the Kings of NXT. 
and Anna Cole will get his revenge on Pat McAfee. I, I think that's the end game. I don't know how long Pat will be involved in the wrestling industry. I don't have an issue with him. Uh, sometimes I'm not a big fan of his show, but I like what he does in the wrestling realm. And he's very entertaining, and I like what he's done so far in NXT. So you can go in many different directions with Pat McAfee, but I think he's doing a good job right now. And uh, obviously, sooner or later, Undisputed Era will get their revenge on uh, Pete Dunne, Morgan, Birch, and Pat McAfee. So super hypothetical, but if New Japan and Impact were on national cable TV, how do you think they would stock up? Against AEW and WWE. Honestly, I, I think it would be the same way as it is right now. Right now, the issue when it comes to the other companies outside of WWE is that they don't have a established infrastructure. When it comes to distribution and marketing. And everything that goes into what the WWE does is a juggernaut, a uh, publicly traded company. New Japan, Impact, they don't have those resources. Yeah, if they were on national cable television, they'd probably hover around the same amount of viewers as AEW does right now. But when you look at the trajectory and the actual numbers and the metrics of what the wrestling industry is right now, nobody is sniffing the WWE for a long, long time. How do you rank the North against other current tag champions? I'm glad you asked that question, Nate, because the North, in my opinion, are the most underappreciated and undervalued tag team in today's wrestling. They're so good, man. Uh, Josh Alexander can wrestle a broom. Ethan Page is a good heel. I have always been a fan of the North, so uh, they, they rank really high. If in, in my opinion, they're definitely in the top three of tag teams. Uh, champions of the world, not just uh, tag team champions, but tag teams. I mean, if you if you ask me where my three favorite tag teams are right now, I'll say the Grizzle Young Veterans at one, FTR at two, and the North at three. So those would be my picks. Yes. <laughs> uh, the last question from uh, Nate is eggnog gross or glorious? Uh, I'll say gross. I never liked eggnog. Um, definitely not for me. <laughs> uh, thanks for the questions though, bro. I appreciate it as always. Um, I'm going to scroll up right here and find our batch of questions here. Let's take a swig of water as well. My, 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 man. Do you think CM Punk would have been the one to break the streak if Paul Bear didn't die when he did? No. As much as I wanted to see a puck to be the guy to end the streak, um, I think at the end of the day, looking back at it now, it probably was going to be Brock Lesnar. Um, it would have been an awesome moment for Puck. Everybody knows that Puck's my favorite wrestler. Puck and Taker, my two favorite wrestlers of all time, fight each other at a WrestleMania. It's a dream match that I got to see, and it's something that I'll never forget. They had one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time, and... Um, I, I don't think whether Paul is still alive or not, I don't think Punk was going to break the streak. I like that question, though. And then, finally, the last batch of questions is going to come from the good brother of all good brothers, the one and only Sam Piopo. 
By the way, if you guys haven't been checking out Second City Sans Hot Takes, the podcast, you guys are truly, truly missing out. Sam is uh, the man. I went to school with this guy at the Illinois Media School. He's talented what he does. He has no filter like myself. Uh, that's kind of how we do things here in the city of Chicago. And I appreciate Sam for just how awesome he is as a brother, man. I appreciate you. All right. Explain your beef with Chris Jericho in 2020. Okay, so here's my thing. Nobody can take away the talents that Chris Jericho possesses in the ring or on the mic. But it's one thing to come on here every week as a podcaster and as a broadcaster and the analyst to come on here and act like I'm supposed to put things to the side just because so-and-so is my favorite performers. Chris Jericho has always been one of my favorite wrestlers, and I think I'd be doing a disservice to you guys by not calling out my own favorite wrestlers on their own shit. They're doing something stupid. I have not liked one program that Chris Jericho's done in 2020 this year besides the one he had with John Moxley at Revolution. That's it. I did not like the Orange Cassidy feud. I have not liked anything he's done with NGF, and we'll get into that later on in the podcast. Uh, how Jericho's been conducting himself recently on social media and his podcast and his little butthurt vendetta against WWE is just making him look sad and pathetic, to be honest with you. Uh, the fact that he clings on to Dave Meltzer as a uh, defense mechanism is just even more hilarious. Um, I, I just think Chris is handling himself like a jackass this year. And I, I, it's one thing to lose respect for a performer and for what they do in the ring. It's another thing losing respect for somebody as a person. So it, it, it kills me to say that. I, I, I was there when Jericho made his debut at the Rosemont Horizon. I was five years old. I got to see that in person. I, I love Chris Jericho. But he's nowhere to be found. I mean, who are we watching on TNT? Are we watching Chris Jericho or Rudy Giuliani? Like, I can't I can't tell the difference. So, uh, I, 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 I told Sad this yesterday. Like, Chris Jericho needs an extensive break from television as soon as possible. Favorite spot to get an Italian beef? Oh, man. That's a great question. Uh, there's there's a couple restaurants here called Jay's Beef. That's just really good. Um, man, we, we used to have a uh, beef place on uh, Chicago and Cal, uh, near Chicago, California, uh, near that air intersection on Grand. It, it was called Boston's. Boston's had really good beef as well. So there's a lot of good beef places. Obviously, be here in Chicago, you could uh, pick out of the litter. Uh, uh, Bone of beef as well. <laughs> it's, uh, th- that's good beef as well. Uh, I'm curious to hear your spots, uh, Sam. Where, where you find good Italian beef sandwiches? And by the way, for those listening to the podcast, do you ever find yourself just like liking just a regular gravy bread sandwich? I used to like those a lot when I was younger. If you had to give up football or baseball for the rest of your life, which would you pick and why? Ooh, man. 
spot, man. You're making me choose between my two favorite sports too. That's that's a rough one. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, I I probably say I'll probably say baseball because there's there's not the you can't deny the adrenaline rush that comes from football in the NFL. As much as it's nauseating as it is to be a Bears fan or anything like that, like I'll handle that because I love the NFL. I I love every aspect of the NFL. I watch the Red Zone. I I watch all the Bears press conferences. I I'm a big NFL fan. I played football in high school. I I played baseball as well. I love baseball. Um, that's why this one's really rough. But I I'll probably say for me personally, I I'll. I'll put baseball to the side for football. Should the White Sox make a run uh, in acquiring Trevor Bauer? I I think so. I think Trevor Bauer fits the attitude of the team. Uh, I like Trevor Bauer as a pitcher. Uh, Sometimes he says some silly stuff on social media or whatever, but you get that with any athlete these days. But um, uh, I I like Trevor Bauer. I, I hope he... Probably come here and give the team a, a shot, but um, you know, it's just really shitty circumstances surrounding the vibe around this baseball team right now with uh, Tony Larusa, and I don't have enough time this week to really get into my thoughts on that whole situation. It's just a freaking embarrassment, and the fact that the owner won't allow the GM to do his own job, and it's just I. I don't know. I, I hope there's some levity around the corner, but this is bad press after bad press after uh, Tony LaRusso got hired, and I, I'm not happy about that one bit. Last question from Sam, and the last question here on this session. If Matt Nagy were fired tomorrow, who would you replace him with? Oh, man. I never thought I would get to the point where I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll be fine whether Matt or Ryan Pace get fired. I get the complaints. I get the issues that surrounds this football team and both Ryan and Matt. Boy, do you guys know how I feel about Matt Nagy and play calling and people hyping up as something that he's not. The guy was the coach of the year two years, two seasons ago. I had a conversation with Sam about this yesterday. I think what really put Matt Nagy on the hot seat, as opposed to what you guys think put Matt Nagy on the hot seat, is the fact that after the Eagles playoff game, there wasn't a sense of him setting the tone for the 2019 season with the team having a chip on their shoulder. I felt there was too much hand gladding, hand gladding. Uh, there was too much patting each other in the back and players reading their press clippings during the offseason, and it didn't help that it was the 100th season of the Chicago Bears, and it just brought out all these unwarranted Super Bowl expectations for where the team was at that point of their franchise. You got to understand, when Matt Nagy got here, the team was in the coming out stages of a rebuild. So I think that context goes over people's head because, like, okay, Ryan comes here, John Fox is the coach that the 
the Bears chose, and they kind of did what, like I mentioned earlier with Jerry Reinsdorf and Tori LaRussa, they did let Ryan pick his own head coach. So you already uh, put him in a bad situation. You're in a rebuild, yet uh, radio hosts on ESPN 1000 and the score hold that against Ryan as a bad thing. The team was rebuilding. What do you want for three years? Look, we're not going to come here and do the whole uh, should they pick Mahomes, Watson, Trubisky thing. I don't have time for that stuff. I really don't. The biggest issue with this football team is the head coach. It doesn't matter if it's Nick Foles. It doesn't matter if it's Tyler Bray. It doesn't matter if it's Mitch Trubisky. It doesn't matter if it's Jay Cutler. When you have a coach that's so fixated on his freaking Denny's playbook, it doesn't matter what you have on your squad because he's not putting you in the position to succeed. That's the problem. Three years, no adjustment uh, adjustments. Saying one thing and then doing another to the media. When the Bears lost to the Eagles in 2018, there was no sense of bitterness or anger that should have been in the 2019 season. Look, I can't come in here and come up with scenarios of whether or not Mitch would have played better if this happened or that happened. That's not my point of this. Like, have your opinions on Mitch Trubisky. I think he's better than most of you think he is. Okay? I'll I'll live on that story because I have my own thoughts and I can stick with my own thoughts. I don't need people to speak for me. So, if you think Mitch Trubisky is the worst quarterback of all time, awesome. More power to you. But he was not the problem with the team. The coach is. It's really not hard to uh, figure out here, guys. And when you don't set the tone for your team after you got basically laughed at by the national media by how you lost that playoff game, that if you don't think that has a, a uh, rep- reprehensible consequence, and I don't know what to tell you because setting the tone before season starts is important. And... It's a shame. Like, people are putting Matt Nagy on the hot seat. So I'll answer this question. I would go with either Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator from the Tennessee Titans, or um, the offensive coordinator from the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Greg Roman. So those would be my picks. But I could go on for days and days and talk about what's going on with the Chicago Bears. That has to be a podcast for itself. But. <laughs> It's just very interesting that the offensive uh, genius can't adjust to the skill set of the players that's on his roster. Dude, your system is not the greatest thing ever. Yeah, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, but what has he done since? You're not Doug Peterson. You're not Frank Reich. You're not Andy Reid. You're Matt Nagy. And you haven't done anything to show Chicago, show the NFL who you are. And why we should care about your system. That's a problem. I want to thank Chris, Nate, Andrew Kermish, the good brother. Thank you for checking out uh, the show as always. And the one and only Sam Piopo for 
sent great questions this week. Like I mentioned earlier, as always, you can send questions to me at thehoospodcast at gmail.com or at Twitter at thehoospodcast. Really quick, I'm going to take a quick swig of water, and then when I come back, we'll get to this week in WWE. Alright guys, welcome back to the Hoots Podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Um, I'm going to talk about mostly Raw and SmackDown this week as we're about 10 days away from Survivor Series. Live at the WWE Network. Also be celebrating 30 years of The Undertaker. And Undertaker will be having this final farewell to the WWE Universe at that said event. Speak of The Undertaker, everything going on with this... Um, 30 Days of the Undertaker on the network. Um, if you guys haven't seen the Paul Bear Mortician documentary, it's really, really good. I totally recommend you guys checking it out. It's really good. Get to know the backstory of the guy behind Paul Bear, uh, William H. Moody. And um, it was a really touching documentary. I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the Brothers of the Destruction uh, special that they're doing on Sunday. That should be fun as well. And uh, I heard the other team is going to be on the bump next week as well. So it's just some cool stuff. Uh, anytime you can honor the GOAT and give him the spotlight that he deserves, then I'm all for it. And just the beautiful irony of life to the fact that the date of this year's Survivor Series is the same date as Undertaker made his debut in the WWE 30 years ago. As Survivor Series 1990. It's crazy. It's really, really crazy. So, um, make sure to check out the Mortician uh, documentary with Paul Bear and the network. Now, let's talk about some of the current stuff that's going on right now. Um, you know, we had Jay Uso taking out Kevin Owens as the main event SmackDown last week. I really liked that match. Um, Kevin Owens kind of lightheartedly joking around with uh, Jay Uso in the backstage area. I find it interesting that Caleb Braxton is now uh, being like snarky now with the wrestlers, and <laughs> I don't know where they're going with that. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Like, she's just now snarky and calling people out on their crap or whatever. So, hey, you know, if you're going to give some of the backstage, uh, backstage interviews some personality now, that'd be a good thing. <laughs> I don't I don't understand the man, the mandates that Kevin Dunn has with their announcers where they have to sound robotic and stuff like that all the time, but um that's not for me to figure out. Um what else really stood out to me from SmackDown this week? I let's look at the show, like you have um let me pull this up let me pull up the article really quick actually, so I'm not talking out of my ass. <laughs> um I'm curious to see what they do tomorrow. Obviously, we, we remember we had the Sasha and Bayley um, SmackDown Women's Championship match that kicked off the show, and it was another really good, solid, technical match. And Sasha retained, making Bayley tap out to the bake statement. And then Carmella attacked uh, Sasha after the match was over. Uh, I really liked, like, like I mentioned earlier, answering Chris's question, I really liked that... Um, I really like seeing Carmella coming back, and she does have a program with uh, Sasha. I think that'd be good business because Carmella is good at what she does. She's very talented. I don't think she gets her props as a performer, and I think she deserves more respect. So, a um, couple other things: we had a lot of Survivor Series qualifying matches. So, Ruby Riot's now on Team uh, SmackDown for the women's side. We saw that Seth Rollins and King Corbin are joining. 
the men's uh, Survivor Series for SmackDown. And, um, you know, I really, I, I like the match layout for the King Corbin Rey Mysterio match. I thought that was really good. Uh, Seth Rollins and Oso was an interesting pairing, to say the least. I thought that match was okay. Um, so, some of that stuff really did stand out to me. Uh, the funny stuff in the background were <laughs> Roman Reigns is telling Jey Uso, you know, there's a chain of command here. And he's like, uh, if, if Owens is disrespecting you, he's disrespecting me. Roman Reigns is just a man. I, I keep saying that every week, but... Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, I just really enjoyed that main event from uh, Jay Uso and Kevin Owens. So I thought SmackDown was decent. Nothing really over the top that stood out to me. And as far as Monday Night Raw this week, uh, another solid show as well. Uh, look at the beginning of the show, we had Miz TV with Miz and John Morrison and freaking Ray York saying, like, John Morrison took his ball and went home and he wrestled in the minor leagues. I like, Man, Randy can't help himself sometimes with those lines. Uh, and then we, we had more uh, qualifying matches. Jeff Hardy, uh, Je- not Jeff Hardy, actually, Matt Riddle has joined uh, Team Raw. So Team Raw said it's AJ Styles, Sheamus, Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, and Matt Riddle. I got to tell you guys, the Raw men's team looks pretty good. <laughs> uh, right For SmackDown, we have... Um, Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, Seth Rollins, and Keith Corbin, and we need to figure out one more person for that squad. We'll probably figure that out tomorrow night. Uh, so I, I'm liking the 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 match pairings for this year's Survivor Series. I really do. Um, obviously, it's a little different element than last year's because XC is not involved this year. But uh, you have. Asuka against Sasha, obviously. You got Roman versus Randy Orton. You got Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley. You have uh, the Street Profits against New Day, pending if they lose or not to the Hurt Business on Monday. You know, I, just looking at a paper for wrestling purposes, it should be pretty interesting. Survivor Series this year on the concept is, you know, it's Raw versus SmackDown like they've been doing over the last couple of years. So this year's paper... Maybe it doesn't really revolve that much around uh, storylines, per se. So, okay, Survivor Series is just like a proving proving ground type of thing. And I'm here for good matches. And obviously, the Tron for Survivor Series, I think the draw of it, of this year's Survivor Series, is the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker, as opposed to just, oh, it's just Raw for SmackDown. So, um... I think it should be a fun event, but uh, I like the match pairing so far for uh, both brands. And then, um, you know, <laughs> AJ Styles is doing some great heel work on the mic recently. Um, I got to say, man, as much as I love Margot Robbie, Alexa Bliss does looks, looks 100 times better waterfall-wise <laughs> in the Harley Quinn outfit than Margot does. Um Keith Lee and Riddle had a good match with Braun Strowman and Sheamus. I like that. AJ Styles was a special guest referee. I find it interesting that AJ Styles is a better referee than any of the referees at AEW, but that's another topic for another time. Um, we still got this thing going on with <laughs> poor Lana going through the announce table. I mentioned it last week. You know, it's one thing for Miro to talk shit about the WWE, yet his wife that still works there is still more over than what he's doing at AEW funny how that works out right 
And then the main event was... Oh, before I get to the main event, I gotta mention, man. One of my favorite matches of the week so far was uh, Ricochet and Mustafa Ali, man. That match was awesome. If you guys haven't seen that match, go check it out. And then finally, the uh, six-man tag, I really liked that as well. I really liked the finish there with uh, Randy Orton, The Miz, and Drew McIntyre. Uh, Randy Orton, The Miz, and John Morrison, they lost to Drew McIntyre the New Day. And we found out that Drew McIntyre is fighting Randy Orton for the WWE title. So, uh, next week on Raw, there's three big title matches uh, ahead of Survivor Series. So, the the looks of what's happening at Survivor Series could really change by next week, so, um, yeah, so we got Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, maybe it'll be Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre at, uh, Survivor Series, maybe it'll be the Street Profits versus the Hurt Business at, um, at Survivor Series, speaking of the Hurt Business, I really like the little promo off that MVP and Lashley had with Tyson Neal, I like that as well, so, I got to give my props to Raw, man. They've been doing some good stuff over the last couple weeks. I think Raw, again, was the better show this week than SmackDown. But, um, yeah, man. I'm I'm liking the build for Survivor Series this year. Um, Of course, as everybody says, I, of course, would love to have more incentives in the uh, Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series matches. Like... For both for a role matches, I, I think that'd be a good sense of like whoever is the sole survivor is the 30th entrant of the said rumble matches for the men and the women. So that'd be what I'd do, but we'll see what happens. Um, or you, let's say like whoever's the sole survivor could get a universal or WWE championship match or a Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship match. That'd be another idea as well. So, overall, another solid week from WWE. I, I I liked it for the most part, and those are my thoughts on what happened this week in WWE. All right, one more quick swig of water, and when I come back, I'm gonna review an amazing show from Osaka, Japan, this past Saturday. Power struggle, and tell you what you need to know about. The best of the Super Juniors and the World Tag League, right here on the Hoots Podcast. Back here on the Hoots Podcast, ready to talk about uh, the latest happenings in New Japan Pro Wrestling. This past Saturday, I had the opportunity to cover the 2020 edition of their Power Struggle pay per view uh, from the Idion Arena in Osaka, Japan. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal show uh, from top to bottom. Uh, this is a tremendous event get to hear Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, and Chris Charlton on commentary. It was a nice added bonus to the festivities, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, getting to hear, uh, uh, getting to see some of these amazing matches like Shingo, again, having another barn burner with Minoru Suzuki. Shingo's your new never open weight champion. Also, seeing the, um, <laughs> Seeing um, Kenta against Hiroshi Tanahashi, that was a, another good, solid match there. Uh, there were two briefcases, uh, two briefcases matches in this show. One remained the same on Kenta. Unfortunately, Abushi lost his briefcase to Jay White. Um, 
I thought that that decision really, really surprised me. I was not expecting Jay White to beat Abushi at Power Struggle and snatch his Wrestle Kingdom briefcase just that quick, but um, that happened, and um, Jay White will now be heading towards Wrestle Kingdom and may have any that event. Uh, Naito uh, retained over Evil, put a fitting end to their rivalry, a 35-minute barn burner with those guys. Um, they had a, a load, a cavalcade of run-ins during this match. It was a little clunky at times, but I, I liked the main event as well. So if you guys haven't seen Power Struggle, please go out of your way to watch it. I totally recommend it for you guys, and I, I don't think you guys would, would regret, regret it. Um, really quick... Uh, I wanted to mention what you guys could expect uh, with the um, upcoming um, tournaments for uh, New Japan. They got two tournaments coming up. Like I mentioned like, uh, in the beginning of the show, I'm going to be covering those on my website. And um, when it comes to the best of the Super Juniors, this is the first time I'm uncovering this tournament. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm really excited for it, you know. Uh, this going to be more fast-paced matches, so that should be a challenge. But um, this all starts on Sunday. They're having 10 matches, I think, on Sunday, which is going to be insane. That's going to be a long uh, event to cover, but I'll, I'll make the best out of it. Um, very quick, I just want to look up here the participants for this tournament. Just one second, guys. This is the 27th uh, tournament for the Best of Super Juniors tournament. Uh, we had news today that Yoshi, uh, Yoshi Noble Camaro will not be participating in the uh, tour due to the, uh, a knee injury. So he'll be replaced by Yua Yuramura. So the other line gets a shot here in the Best of Super Juniors tournament. We have uh, Risuke Taguchi, El Desperado, Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, Sho from Rapongi 3K, Robbie Eagles, who I haven't seen in a while, uh, Master Wato, Doki, and the current I- IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Taiji Ishimori. You know, it doesn't have much as much firepower as it would back then, but obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, so we can't bring people from the United States into this tournament. But this one should be interesting, to say the least. Like, I'm, I'm all accustomed to these guys' wrestling style, so it should be too much hard matches to cover. But if I had to pick one here, I'd say show could win the best of the Super Juniors here. I think it's, it either goes down to him or Hiromu, in my opinion. I don't see Taguchi winning. I don't see Robbie Eagles winning. I don't see Master Watson winning. Um, but if I had to pick two in this tournament, I'd say either um, Show or Hiromu Tagahashi. I think those are going to be some fantastic, fantastic matches. Uh, fantastic matches, fantastic tour, and it should be a lot of fun. And then finally, we got the World Tag League coming up, um, 2020 edition. This one's going to be very, very interesting. This is also my first time covering this uh, tour as well. Um, they announced it the other day, and we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. We got 10 different um, participants in the World Tag League Tournament this year. We have 
the Great Ocon and the newest member of Empire. Uh, we're going to figure that out uh, this weekend, obviously. So they're leaving up in mystery. So we got to figure out who will be teaming up with the Great Ocon. Uh, Bad Luck Fale is coming back with Chase Owens. That should be fun. I haven't, I haven't seen Fale wrestle in months. Uh, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, the Grills of Destiny are in it. Uh, tech, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. Uh, Takagi and uh, no, Sonata and Shingo is a tag team. That's going to be awesome. Ishii and Yano. Uh, always down for Ishii matches, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, so it looks like Ishii and Yano will take on Folly and Chase. That should be a good match on Sunday. Um, Goto against Yoshihashi. And then um, Finn Juice and Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toa Hanare. Wow, I haven't seen Hanare in a while. So, World Tag League. Uh, obviously, what happens here is if you win World Tag League, you get a shot at the World Tag Team titles at Wrestle Kingdom. So, I'll go with Finn Juice here. I think they have a chance to uh, retain the World Tag League like they did last year. I do have I do have a feeling that Juice and Finley could fight Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi and Russell Keaton. That would be my pick. So you guys heard it right here. Finn Juice to win the 2020 World Tag League as well. Those would be my picks. So I just wanted to come on here and uh, you know give a little update as far as what's happening with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I love covering their brand. Um, it, it's fun to cover and I really do enjoy the experiences. So Okay, with that being said, let's not waste any more time, shall we? We got a lot to get into this week for what the hell is wrong with AEW. And um, as always, if you guys ever want to participate in this segment, all I ever ask is for you guys to send a uh, FB3 file to me at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. That's, that's, that's simple. Tell us what you think is wrong with AEW, and we'll get to this. So we're going to start off. With the nefarious Burke Carter with a brand new restaurant quality edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. And we're going to start this bad boy in 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Okay, I cannot figure out Cody Rhodes at all. He uses heel tactics in matches on television last week, loses the title at full gear to Darby Allen, which we'll get into a little bit later on in the show. But now, all of a sudden, Taz, who is clearly a heel, comes out and is acting like Cody face or Cody is a babyface. It makes absolutely no sense at all. And then it leads into this Jade Kygon. I can't even remember her name. Whatever the hell it is, she comes out, acts like this to use a JR term, this Jezebel, but and tries to entice Cody or whatever. And then he says that Shaq is coming, and I guess they're gonna have a confrontation or whatever. I understand Shaq is a TNT employee on Inside the NBA, which is hilarious, by the way. I love Inside the NBA. And Shaq has always been a big wrestling fan, so I get why he's doing it. And I, honestly, I don't have a huge problem with that because I understand that. But 
The whole segment was weird. The whole Jade Kaigon thing was awesome, was awful and awkward. And Brandy comes out, and then they try to randomly cuss out or edit out the words shit, bitch, and ass, but they do it at wrong times. And so you still hear the word on the broadcast, but the censor was in the wrong spot. And then later on in a promo, Brandy says bitch and ass again, and the censor doesn't get it. It was awkward. It was awful. It was ridiculous. Uh, and, and that just made absolutely no sense at all. And I cannot figure out what the hell is up with Cody. Is he a face? Is he a heel? Is he, he's turning face and heel more times than the big show. And that's saying something. Okay. So then we get into this bunkhouse match with uh, the Natural Nightmares and Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny. It was unnecessary. Uh, the match itself started out awful. It got a little bit better as it went. So overall, I'll say the match was fine, but there's no reason for it. Like, build the feud more. All right, now the Natural Nightmares have rid themselves of Butcher and Blade, so now what do each of the teams do? You know? Uh, you know, And there's clearly nothing for them to do because QT Marshall and... Dustin Rhodes barely get any television time. For some reason, the Butcher and the Blade get TV time every week. I think it's because of Bunny. But anyways, they get TV time every week for some reason. But I thought the Bunkhouse match was unnecessary, didn't need it, and it, it just it, they didn't build the feud enough, and I didn't like it. Okay, I swear, JR promotes picture-in-picture picture like it's the greatest thing to ever happen to a professional wrestling broadcast. Like, every week he's like, we've got the world-famous quality picture-in-picture. Picture. What? Like, you tell me you got this great action happening in the ring, and we're going to focus on picture-in-picture. Picture. I, I can't figure it out. The team. We're going to get into the commentary team a little bit later in this particular segment of what the hell is wrong with AEW. Okay. MJF Chris Jericho. We get to that segment. Uh, Okay. I, okay, I'll say this. It, it was stupid, of course, but I will say it was not as bad as I thought it was. And MJF, as as horrible as he's been lately, and in this sh- just tragically awful feud, he actually was pretty funny. And I'll say he, he saved it. Uh, he saved it because he was actually pretty funny in his acceptance speech. I actually thought that was pretty funny, so that was good. But then... Tickets to fly to Las Vegas in the middle of a global pandemic. Like, how does that promote any kind of safety and unity and doing and you know and doing what's best? I know people are flying and traveling and stuff like that. I get it, but you're openly saying you're going to Vegas flying first class in a global pandemic. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I didn't like that part of it at all. I still think the whole Jericho MJF angle is stupid, but MJF did save it a little bit, and I thought he was actually kind of funny in it. Dear Kenny Omega, nobody cares about your star matches. He gave another useless promo out in the parking lot talking about, I'm the Kenny Omega who gets five, six, and seven star matches. It's not a necessary statistic. It's horrible. Keep Kenny Omega off the microphone, even though he's probably on December 2nd going to win the AEW championship because be the elite and, this, and you know, they're all the friends or whatever and they got to run the company. So, you know, Kenny Omega is going to win the title, but it's another bad promo. Just, just AEW needs to stick to wrestling. They, they need to stick to wrestling. 
because everything they they do outside of 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 what they do is outside of the ring is terrible. Um, okay, I hate to keep complaining about the women's division AEW, but I have to. The AEW women's division is not good. It's not. You had a not great match between uh, Ty Conti and Red Velvet. I, I, you know, they're trying to build. I don't know what's happening with Red Velvet and Anna Jay. You know, she got the win clean, refused to use the chair. Fine. Then you've got the creepy Dark Order kind of staring from the from the entrance ramp there. Which, by the way, we also haven't seen Mr. Brody Lee, who's supposed to be the savior of the Dark Order. We haven't seen him on television in a while, or even gotten an update from him. Stupid. He's his career is basically over. I see why WWE got rid of him. Clearly. When talent goes to AEW from WWE, you clearly see why WWE got rid of them. Like, it becomes blatantly obvious. And Internet Marks, you can send all your hate tweets to me at Derek Stoughton all you want. But I'm sorry, it's true. It's true. To quote the great Kurt Angle, it's true. It's damn true. When talent leaves WWE, you see why this company got rid of them. And a perfect example is Brody Lee. But anyways, again, once again... The two women who wrestled for the supposedly the company's top prize were not featured on television this week. Serena Deeb, who is the NWA Women's Champion and got challenged by Thunder Rosa, barely got mentioned on television this week. Stupid. Again, this the women. We haven't seen Britt Baker in a while. I'm telling you, AEW, everyone except women. I'm pretty sure the commentary team was not supposed to announce Eddie Kingston. Well, I think we're going to see Eddie Kingston now. But then Eddie Kingston, or I think we're going to see Eddie Kingston now. And then Eddie Kingston comes out, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, and cuts like an interruption promo. Like, what the hell? Once again, the commentary team is horrible. They have clearly have no idea what they're doing. Their timing is awful. They don't know how to run live television. AEW needs to be taped every single week because they can't run a television program. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Thank you very much, Brett Carter, for the submission this week. As always, be good, brother. Well, <laughs> that's going to be a tough act to follow, to be honest with you guys. Uh, Brett Carter really touched on a lot of stuff I wanted to hit on when it came to the Dynamite portion. So <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about the pay-per-view so we have some balance here to have some positivity to this. Um, there's not a lot to this, <laughs> as you guys know the drill here with this segment. But uh, when it comes to the pay-per-view, the first Half of the show I thought was a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and the other half I thought was a complete mud show. Let me just first start off with this on a positive tip, so I don't get the whole, ah, you just bashed them all the time. No, I just call it what I see. That's what it is. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin, I really liked their TNT title match. I thought that was good. Loved the Kenny Omega and Hangman Page match. I thought that was a really good match. I even liked Orange Cassidy and John Silver. <laughs> I thought that was a, a solid match. Um, the rest of it was just there. Um, MGF and Chris Jericho got crickets. I don't know why AWs uh, decided to go with four-hour pay-per-views on a Saturday night. I just don't understand that decision. What I also don't understand 
is why you're having JR basically no, you're having the commentary doing commentary during the Matt Hardy Sam Guevara Ultimate uh deletion match. The, the the elite deletion match, right? When you look at those segments, right, for what they are, the charm of it is that you have no commentary. And I'm gonna pra- I'm gonna try my best to not like really pop my lid this morning as I record this on a Thursday morning slash afternoon. And then um for me <laughs> I I love Matt Hardy. I love these cinematic matches when they do happen. But the charm is that you don't have commentary. You just let it come. You let the story come to you and let it be your own imagination. That's the charm of these um, cinematic matches. And when I watch this Elite Deletion match, I'm hearing Excalibur call spots. JR is, you know, doing this. Oh, I, I, I'm suddenly going to talk crap about it, even though I'm trying to put it over. He's, he's basically shitting over the entire matches that happens. And he got Tony Schiavone stammering. Look, I have all the respect in the world for Tony Schiavone, but uh, let, let's call a space mate here. All he does on TV is stammer on the mic, kiss Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan's ass, and then tries to process what's going on in the ring like Dick Stockton in the NFL. Let's just call it spade a spade, okay? Then we got JR just continuing to embarrass himself as the weeks go by. The guy that got me hooked into pro wrestling is now the guy I can't stand to listen to behind the booth. What a shame. What a damn shame. It's very rare that I allow one match or one moment to ruin a pay-per-view for me. This got very close. I thought the fact that they decided to do commentary over this thing just ruined the whole bit for me. Were there funny spots? Yes. Did I love seeing Shane Helms and Gangrel? Yes. Matt and Sammy had some really good action there. I don't know if you need another uh, headshot with a chair uh, in 2020. But um, when it comes to AEW, there's no filter. It's the Wild Wild West. You can do whatever the hell you want and pretend like you have standards and morals and ethics and we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. We're going to change the game of professional wrestling while do do some of the stupid shit that we saw in the 90s because we got Waldo, the freaking ECW mark with the pencil, uh, making all these decisions, trying to... One week he can't make up his mind. One week he wants to be WCW, the next week he wants to be ECW. He can't make up his, his mind. That's why you don't have marks in the booking committees. Let's talk about other stuff that happened on the pay-per-view. Since I, I'll have to review the pay-per-view here in the podcast this week, okay? Young Bucks versus Etr, The dream match. Dream match. Everybody's talking about, right? We have the Young Bucks and Lakers gear. And FTR and Celtics gear. With all due respect to all four guys in the ring, the build-up, the promos, 
everything going into this match this past Saturday night did not warrant you two teens wearing those colors. Just because you have a fantasy scenario pairing of Etr and the Young Bucks does not make it a rivalry. Going into this period, we did not have one single bit of a reason to care about this match. Two, you did not know who you wanted to cheer for in the match. You had the Young Bucks super kick uh, announcers and cameraman because they got boo-boo face because FTR actually are superior tag team wrestlers than Young Bucks as they showed in this match. You add the stipulation that Tully Blanchard has to be banned from ringside. All these things. So we have this competitive 30-minute match with a guy who has a partially torn MCL in his left knee. And I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief? I'm watching this match. This match that I had to type out seven paragraphs for. Where XR is wrestling their ass off. Cash Wheeler is a freaking tank. Uh, Dax Harwood's a great wrestler. I like FTR. I like what they do in the ring. But they're wrestling broomsticks that have trampoline skills. You got you got Arn and Tully against two backyard two backyard dweebs. This is the match layout. Okay, try to cut a ring. Flip over the top rope. It's a gear. Kamagiri kick. Flip off the apron. Oh, we get a cut spot where Hardwood slides in the ring and stops in the path. Oh, we're going to do a couple arm drags. Super kick, super kick, super kick. Canadian Destroyer on the rampway. Oh, we're going to do a double close on the floor. Cash Wheeler is going to do a 450 splash, even though their gimmick is no fists, no flips, just fists. I understand why I just rattled off right there. And you tell me if that makes any sense for both these teams in this match. We did not have a tag team match. We just had a match of moves. And the fact that the Young Bucks won with the shittiest super kick I've ever seen in my entire life is just embarrassing. Like, I've seen bad super kicks before, but the one that Matt Jackson gave to Wheeler to end the match was just absolutely embarrassing. So, you bring FTR in. They're tag team champions for, what, two or three months? And we got to drop the titles to the Young Bucks because it's pay-per-view. Let's get... Hey, since Cody's losing the title, we need somebody in the EVP room with the championship. Here we go, Bucks. Here's your title. I thought the match layout didn't make sense. Uh, the dead courts ref, Rick Knox, is still one of the worst referees in all professional wrestling. I don't care what anybody says. The match layout was freaking stupid. You got a guy with a partially torn MCL. You guys are doing high spots. And combo moves. And him diving off the top rope. And... I'm sorry, if I have a partially torn MCL, I'm not hulking up like Hulk Hogan. Now you wonder why Jim Cornette calls Matt Jackson Buck Hogan. So we got Balding Buck and Buck Hogan against FTR. This dream match. The, the match that was going to change the face of tag team wrestling. It was there. 
Am I supposed to come on here and say, oh my god, this is the greatest tag team match I've ever seen in my entire life? No. And I'm consistent with this. I've never been a Young Bucks fan. I don't like their style. Their tag team continuity makes no sense. And to the people that wrote that article that the Young Bucks are the greatest tag team of all time, you are out of your ever-loving mind. They are not the best tag team of all time. That's a spin in the face to actually good tag teams. And the wrestling business as a whole. How can you be considered the greatest tag team of all time if you don't know the simple rules of a tag team match? Oh, man. I, I didn't like that match one bit, and I felt really bad for FTR that they lost the title, so... Next, we had the CZW I Quit match uh, because we got to eject uh, barbed wire as a cross, uh, into a bulldog choke as a finish. Look, I love Eddie Kingston. I love everything he's done. I'm glad that he had an opportunity to make a pay-per-view for the world championship. Eddie Kingston is a man. I have nothing bad to say to him. So, Eddie, if you're listening to this, this has nothing to do with you. Let's talk about the number one rated wrestler in the world, John Moxley, according to PWI, right? Cosplay Stone Cold is the number one wrestler of all time. One week he's Cosplay Stone Cold, next week he's Cosplay Minoru Suzuki, uh, the next week he's Cosplay Ian Rotten. We can't figure it out with John Moxley. Outside his title match with Chris Jericho and NGF, everything with John Moxley when it comes to major marquee title matches has to do with some stupid-ass gimmick stipulation or we need weapons in it. Like, and I, I, <laughs> I remember this world title ring taking a detour when he had this match with Jake Hager. This is this is at the beginning stage of the pandemic, right? And nobody was allowed to be in crowds, so it was just Hager and uh, Moxley to ring by themselves. And during this whole lead-up, it was like AEW was hyping up Jake Hager to be the next Brock Lesnar. Now you wonder why you guys, now you guys know why I call him Nyquil Lesnar, right? So one of the boringest, laziest world title matches I've ever seen in my life with John Moxley and Jake Hager there. At that point, I was like, it doesn't matter who you build up, they're just going to feed him to John Moxley because he talks shit about WWE on Chris Jericho's podcast, and that's enough reason for him to be popular and be over as the champion as the face of the company. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that AEW is good at is talking shit about the WWE. You do that when you don't have an identity. You do that, we have no idea what your company is. And John Moxley, as a world champion, sucks. <laughs> so I look at what I saw with John Moxley and Ed Kingston, and I wasn't surprised by it one bit. You got sloppy spots, you're using barbed wire, you got thumbtacks, it's just freaking shit show. Uh, you have you have Eddie Kingston pouring rubbing alcohol on John Moxley's back. 
And we're having blood and everything. And I, I saw the Bucker House, the Buck House match on Dynamite last night as well, where we're bleeding all over the place. He's got a crimson mask. They're bleeding all over the place, spreading a bunch of bad bacteria and all this stuff during the pandemic, by the way. I don't know if that match was uh, approved by Dr. Fauci, but that's probably not a good idea. But who am I to say that? Um, so. I liked the first part of Full Gear, but the rest of the pay-per-view sucked. And honestly, to be frank with you guys, I'm glad I didn't spend 60 bucks because they didn't deserve it. So, that's my thoughts on Full Gear. Now, let's get to my thoughts from Dynamite this week. And I gotta say this really quick right off the bat. I saw this the other day on Twitter and it just made me laugh really, really, (laughs) really bad. So, Jake Hager is looking out for sympathy because John Cena would not put him over for the WWE Championship. I don't care what area it is. I don't care what promotion it is. I don't care what the circumstances. I would never have anybody put Jake Hager over for a world championship. How about that, pal? You suck. You are a waste of space. Get off my television screen and bring Rudy Giuliani with you as well. The Kofi God. The Million Viewer Man. You know, you guys know who I'm talking about. When you look at paper, Chris Jericho and NGF are going to do a program with each other. Or they're going to work with each other as a team, right? NGF is going to join the inner circle, right? You look at it in paper like, okay, you got two guys that are entertaining on the mic. This should be a lot of fun. We can get some money and some business out of it. But somehow, someway, since we're in AEW, the greatest wrestling promotion in the world, their skits get worse and worse and worse and worse as the weeks go by. And the one saving grace of this segment was MGF pretending that he doesn't know who Drake was while reciting his lines during his poem. I thought that was pretty funny. So... NGF is in the inner circle. Your Burkhardt's thoughts about them going to Vegas during a pandemic. I think that's stupid as well. Speaking of stuff that's stupid, uh, Cody Rhodes, Jay Cargill, and Brandy Rhodes. So we're going to have Cody Rhodes on the side having the Real Housewives of Atlanta on TNT. Just to bring in Shaq. Who in the blue hell wants to watch Cody Rhodes versus Shaq in a wrestling match? Or a program. So we're going to go back to this 50-50 thing where we don't know if Cody's a heel or a babyface. Oh, I forgot. Because this is the same EVP that says babyfaces and heels don't matter anymore. Hey, Cody, I know you're executive vice president. But sooner or later, when people start checking out, and not caring about your product because you don't they don't have a reason to cheer for anybody or boo anybody that's gonna be a reflection on you. Oh, these old tropes of being a heel and a babyface doesn't work anymore. Oh really? Why do you think the best friends got the pop they did when they beat Santana Ortiz in the parking lot fight? Why do you think Darby Allen got the pop he got when he won a TNT title from you? At full gear. Think about that. Cody Rhodes versus Shaq. 
Give me an effing break, man. Really? Oh, God. I can't stand this shit. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. You know, I, I, I saw the whole thing with um, the, the whole article about the Young Bucks being the greatest tag team of all time. <laughs> that's just a... That's another show for another time. That's just absolutely ridiculous, so... That right there, folks, is this week's edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. I'm going to wrap this up. I want to thank you guys so much for checking out episode 231 of the Hoots Podcast. Um, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast right now so you never miss an episode. It comes to you free of charge every single week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you can get your podcast from. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. I'm on Instagram at JoshyLopez94. Uh, make sure to um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think about the podcast in a good way or a bad way. Always open open to suggestions. And uh, make sure uh, to stick around for a special edition of Thoughts of Derrick in a couple of minutes. I do want to leave this off with a moment of zen. Um, Always remember, folks, you are not, you can't heal somebody when you can't heal yourself. And that's my words of advice. And always remember, be the authentic product that is yourself, and nobody, and I mean nobody, can dictate the pace of your life. So, with that being said, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Uh, this weekend, I'll be covering Impact's uh, Turning Point special uh, on the website. So make sure to check that out in the beginning of the whole Best of Super Juniors uh, tournament and the World Tag League tournament as well. So I am the Nefarious Brother Adam, a.k.a. Josh Lopez. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's edition of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And right now, we're going to send it off to the one and only Brother Carter for the latest edition of the Thoughts of Derrico, right here on Hoots Podcast. I love you guys. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that has way more of a full gear than that crap that was aired last weekend. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. What an incredible match. Another incredible match we had from Sasha and Bailey on SmackDown this week. Again, really great, great feud between these two. They will be linked forever, and I'm all about it. Uh, I think it's absolutely terrific. Really, really, really great work. And I'm looking forward to Banks and Carmella after Survivor Series. I didn't realize that's where they were going to go, the direction they were going to go, but that's fine. I love Carmella. I'm all in on Carmella, as you know. She's F-A-B-U-L-O-U-S. But, I mean, not anymore, but, you know, that's how I think of her. I think she's fabulous. So I think that's going to be great. Again, in 2021, I'm hoping we'll get, and I know I keep bragging about her and talking about her, but I I do hope that we get the EST of WWE Bianca Belair in line for a title shot because I think she deserves it. But I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Carmella and Sasha. I think that's going to be great after Sasha's finished with Asuka at Survivor Series. I gotta ask a question. Why the hell has it taken us this long to get this version of Jey Uso? This has been absolutely amazing. Like, the Roman Reigns-Uso family storyline is must-see television every single week. Every single week. Roman Reigns is starting to become just that little that little bastard heel 
that is running the shots. Like you can tell he's just becoming that heel, like the the bad guy in a villain that you want to see get got, right? And he's playing his role amazingly. Um, Jay Uso has been fantastic. You know, he's torn between that battle inside. I love it. It looks like he's still a face. In the, like the beginning of the show, it looks like he was still a face, but he's maybe starting to embrace kind of this heel quality. I don't know. Like, we don't know where it lies. It's great storytelling. I love it. I will say this, and Josh and I have argued about this before. We, we talk about this, and we've argued about this. There is an inev- inevitable showdown coming with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And I actually think they're going to build Brock Lesnar up to be the underdog. Because if you think about it, who right now in WWE on SmackDown, right? Who is a legitimate challenger to Roman Reigns? Daniel Bryan? No, I think Reigns, you, like they're building Reigns to destroy him. Um, Jey Uso, I mean, Uso has already had his chance and lost. Seth Rollins, he's the only one, is Seth Rollins. But right now he's, but he's also a heel. And he's, you know, kind of doing the, the thing with the Mysterio family. So, like, if, if you put Reigns against Rollins, like, Reigns would destroy Rollins. You know, the only people in WWE that could challenge Reigns legitimately are on Raw, I think. Uh, with And I think some of those, I'm just talking about from, not from a psych, not from an in-ring talent. Like, from an in-ring ability, I mean, Big E would, would, would challenge him. You know, maybe Sheamus. Uh, from a character-wise standpoint, I think you've got Bray Wyatt as the Fiend, uh, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, I think. Um, I, right now, those are the three, and I'm sure there are others, but those are the three that, Randy Orton, uh, those are the three that come to mind. But um, but right now, I think they're building Reigns to be unstoppable. So when that inevitable conference uh, com- uh, conflict between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is coming, they're going to build Brock Lesnar up to be the underdog. And that's, just, think about that for a moment. I think that's going to just be, I know they fought each other numerous times. I don't care. I think it's going to be incredible. Um, I'm digging the storyline between the Mysterios and Rollins, even though it is, I, I'm sorry, it's still a bit creepy. The, the whole Buddy Murphy and Aaliyah thing is, is an Aaliyah thing is just creepy for me, you know? Like, if you understand that Murphy's 32 and Aaliyah's 19, like, they, it's just a little creepy, you know? Um, but I guess the big thing is Murphy with or against Rollins. So, that, I mean, I, that part about it, I'm curious. So that part I'm digging. Last thing I'll say about SmackDown this week why exactly am I supposed to care about Lars Sullivan? Like, I don't care about Lars Sullivan at all. Like, uh, he, in my opinion, he's taken up a spot and more time from other more deserving superstars. But that's just me. I, I just, I'm not sure why I'm supposed to care about Lars Sullivan. Those are my thoughts on SmackDown. I really don't have a lot to say about Raw this week. Uh, the ma- show was okay overall. Good match between Ricochet and Ali. That was terrific. Uh... And I'm glad that we're finally officially getting the split of Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Uh, I think we can get a Bliss-Cross match. Probably not Survivor Series. Maybe at TLC we'll get a Bliss-Cross match. And then we'll see what happens at Royal Rumble. I I would love to see Alexa Bliss versus um, Asuka, whoever the Raw Women's Champion is at that point, at WrestleMania. That would be amazing. With the, getting the Fiend involved, whew, that could be incredible. But again... Raw was fine this week. The advancement of the storylines was all fine. Again, I don't have a whole lot to say about Raw this week. It was the show was okay. I, you know, it, it was all right. It didn't really do a whole lot for me this week. I will say that. Uh, I will close by saying a few good things about AEW this week. 
Um, really cool new intro graphic. I thought that was kind of cool. My only uh, criticism of that is half the stars in the package aren't on the show every week. So that's that's kind of a problem. But cool new intro graphic. Really good opening match between Brian Cage and Matt Seidel. Really, I thought that was a great match. Uh, again, I've said it before. AEW needs to stick to wrestling. That was great. I'm happy that Cody is now Cody Rhodes again. I mean, you know, you got the legacy of Dusty Rhodes and, and the Rhodes family. It's good that uh, Cody was able to get the legal issues worked out with his own name uh, from WWE. So I think that's great. I'm also happy that Darby Allen is the TNT champion. I think that a- uh, Darby Allen is one of the talents that AEW can build a company around. You know, you have a few. I think it's MJF. I think it's Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. If you actually got TV, TV time, Jungle uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I think Hangman Adam Page. Uh, I think those are some talent, some original talent you can build the company around. But happy that Darby Allen is TNT champion. I think that's great. I love Judas uh, when we when we can sing it with an entire crowd. I know I say it every week, but it's it's just awesome. It's one of my favorite parts of the show every single week. Um, again, MJF was hilarious this week. Uh, glad to see some of that MJF. He had me rolling laughing with his poetry that was quoting Drake. I thought that was hilarious. That was great. Good match with Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, um, but it looks like they're turning into assassins, so I'm not sure uh, how they're going to go with that with Eddie Kingston, but that was cool. But holy cow, Pac is back. That was a great surprise to end the show this week. I love that. I mean, Pac had been away because of uh, the COVID restrictions over in Europe, and he couldn't get back into this country. He was finally able to get back. That's awesome. So happy to see Pac on TV. And I like how he's inserting himself into the feud with Eddie Kingston. You know, because now he's involved with the tearing of the Death Triangle when he was with um, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. And they were with Pac in the, as the Death Triangle before the pandemic hit. So I think that's great. Natural storytelling makes sense to get Pac with Eddie Kingston. Pa- I know Pac is a bastard and usually a heel. I'm okay with him being a face for now until they, he gets his issues with Eddie Kingston resolved. But great to see Pac back. That was a wonderful moment for the show. I usually don't talk about NXT, but I do want to say congratulations to Leon Ruff on winning the NXT North American Championship. I did not see that coming when when I was reading. I didn't watch a show, but when I was reading that there was a new North American champion, I immediately thought, oh, Damian Priest or... Um, or somebody like that, maybe Dexter Loomis or Cameron Grimes or something. But it ended up being Leon Ruff. I was like, oh, all right now, cool. I, to me, the, the best part about that was when the title wouldn't fit around his waist and it basically looked like he wasn't wearing any shorts or anything. Like he was he was wearing a birthday suit except for the title uh, on the ramp. I thought that was hilarious. But congratulations to Leon Ruff. That's cool. Uh, don't know what this means for Johnny Gargano. But I'm uh, happy for Leon Ruff, and I think that's absolutely terrific. And those are the thoughts of Derrico this week. Uh, my final thoughts, as always, folks, keep the faith. Everything in this in, in our world is going to be okay. Keep wearing a mask, and trust me, we're all going to get through this together. Peace and love. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.